Welcome those in Grove Central. Thanks for being with us uh, in person. It's always good to see you. Welcome online. Thanks for being with us today. So we're in a series called Fruitful. It's really the idea of being full of some specific fruit. And uh, we're walking through that. What does it look like to be a Jesus follower? And what are we supposed to be able to see in our lives and the lives of others that call themselves Jesus followers? So if you're not a Jesus follower, uh, hopefully by the end of this series or maybe even the end of today, uh, I would encourage you guys to maybe take that step of following Christ. Um, if for those that are wondering, what are my Jesus follower friends supposed to look like? Uh, this series is about that. This is what we should be uh, having in our lives on a daily basis, what people should see in our lives as we uh, follow his lead. And so uh, really, here's, here's what we're trying to say for this series. It's really about maturing and growing up in the faith. And uh, the main evidence of maturity in, in maturity in any Christian's life is a growing love for God and a growing love for people. The book of Galatians that we're going through, uh, Paul is really encouraging us to love others and to care for others. And so he's always uh, saying if, if there's not a growing love for God and others, there's an issue in our lives with our walk with God. And last week we talked about um, kindness and we talked about being patient. And so our challenge was to be kind while being patient. And this is important because there's going to be seasons like we're in now where we have to be patient for things to take place, things to happen, things to change. And we should make sure we always show kindness even in those seasons so that we don't miss what God is trying to do in our lives. And the way we do this is by asking God to help us see his perspective. Because sometimes all we see is what's in front of us. All we feel is the pain that's, that's, that feels is very real and, and hard to go with in the middle and go through. Uh, but when we ask God to show us his perspective, we realize that there's a bigger picture, a bigger story that's going on. And we can trust him in those things. All right? so this is what Paul says in Galatians. Galatians 5, he says the entire law, all the scripture, all the Bible, is fulfilled in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And the reason this is so important is because when we don't love our neighbor as ourselves. We become an unhealthy society. We become unhealthy people. And he actually says this, if you bite and devour each other, right after he says that, he says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, you'll be destroyed by each other. And this is the point of the whole series, is that during this season, it's easy to begin to talk negative about others. It's, it's easy to be discouraged and to focus on the negative. It's easy to fight about things that really we shouldn't be fighting about. And if we do that, eventually we'll destroy each other. And we're saying as Jesus followers, if we're going to be different kind of people in, on earth and in earth, we have to be people that love each other, care for other, and we're not, we don't destroy one another. All right? So Paul says, after he goes on this, he says, here's some, the evidence that you should have in your life when you're in a relationship with God. He calls it the fruit of the Spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, and it's self-control. And so for the last few weeks, we've been walking through those, and today we're going to talk about goodness and faithfulness and why they're important for us to have um, in our lives and what those would look like, what that fruit would look like in, in our lives on a daily basis, right? So let's talk about goodness first. Uh, goodness, um, in our culture, the reason this is going to be really hard to talk about is because in our culture, uh, goodness is kind of a mild word, right? Just kind of like, you know, just be a good person, just don't, don't. But there's so much more in Scripture that's about goodness. We could say that goodness scripturally is striving for the standard that God has defined as good. So in, in the Bible, when you want to when the scripture in the Bible talks about goodness, it's always talking about a standard that God defines as good. And here's the reason it's so hard in our culture is because there's a lot of things in our culture that we say are good that God says are actually evil. There's some things in our culture that we say this is a good thing, and God says, no, you're missing it. That's far from good. My standard is really what goodness is about. And so we tend to think of good, goodness in a mild kind of a sense of the word, uh, but it's so much more. Uh, really, goodness is in a, it's an attitude of opposition to any and all forms of evil. That would be in our lives as well in the lives of others. So goodness, there's two parts to it, right? There's the, the, the negative part of it where we avoid things. You're good by avoiding bad. But then there's a positive side of it. You're doing things that should be happening. Um, and throughout Scripture, when we look at goodness, 
one of the ways that we can compare goodness is goodness is always compared to God's correcting love, right? So goodness, it's, it's, it equals to God's correcting love that when there's something out of place, he corrects it and he fixes it, right? So it's an expression uh, of God's love saying there's something out of place, there's something wrong, let's correct that, let's fix that, right? So it's when, we, when he sees evil or when we see evil, we're supposed to bring about change. So in the sense, when God's correcting love, it's not just disciplining us in the sense that um, we're not supposed to do that, but it's also fixing things and, um, and, and correcting that in, in that way. So, like goodness, let me give you an example. So when you're growing up, there's probably a point in your life when you got old enough where your parents would leave, leave you at home, right, by yourself. And what would the mom or the dad say? I'm going to be gone for a little while. Make sure you're good, right? When I get back, I'm going to check in and see if you were good. And so when the mom comes back, she says, after the, her trip to the store, she says, were you good? And what she means by were you good is did you burn the house down? Uh, did you kill the cat, right? Did you – and it's usually t- tied to all these avoiding bad, right? Rarely do they ask, hey, so when I was gone, did you wash the dishes? Did you clean the house? Did you call your grandma and tell her how much you missed her, right? Did you go to the neighbors and cut the yard, their yard? We usually don't talk about the positive attributes of good. It's usually just the did you avoid things. And a lot of times what happens in the culture is we just try to avoid things that are bad, right? Um, a good driver – on the road is somebody that typically just obeys the, the, the speed limits, right? Um, but there's a positive element to that also. It would be somebody who's not just avoiding bad, but it's also somebody that's doing the right things or doing good things, right? It's helping it go forward. And so in culture, the problem, I think a lot of times is what happens, even in religion, is we tend just to avoid things um, and, and, try not, and, and try not to do what's wrong, but we miss the good that God is, is wanting to do. And so um, when we see evil, the other part of this is it's God's correcting love. When we see evil... We correct it. When we see evil, we do something about it. Uh, the, the, the story in the Bible that we see uh, Jesus really showing goodness in, in, a, in a moment that we wouldn't think it's good, it says that he made this whip. So he took time to make this whip, and he went to the temple, and there was these uh, merchants that were selling things for the sacrifices. And really, they were using the temple of God as profit for their own selves. And this really bothered God, right? It really bothered Jesus. And so he makes this whip. He goes into the temple. He throws over the tables. He gets the whip and he, he makes, chases all the animals out. And he just makes this big scene, right? And he says, my, my father's house was a house of prayer, but you've turned it into a, a den of thieves. So you've turned it into your own prophet, but it's really supposed to be for prayer. It's supposed to be for we encounter God, not just make a quick buck. And so in this moment, we almost see like it wouldn't seem like goodness, but this is what he's doing. He's seeing something that's wrong. And he's correcting it. It's God's correcting love. He, he's correcting something that's evil, something that's, that's not right. And he's, he's, he's making it better. Um, so you want to go to the next slide for me? Um, so he clears the temple. It's an expression of justice. It's an expression of us fixing things that are wrong. And so in, in our lives, when we see something that's not right, human trafficking, there are people who are fighting against human trafficking. That's a form of goodness. Not just because some people will say, well, human trafficking is bad. I'm not going to partake in that, right? There's another element of goodness saying we're going to actually try to stop it by doing something to fix it, to slow it down, to, to eliminate it completely, right? So in goodness, when the fruit of goodness come, is spoken about, it's not just avoid bad things. It's also would you do the good things, would you do the right things? See, because it's one thing to overcome the flesh, our, our desires, right, and not do evil things, but it's something quite different to actually do good things. And that's what the fruit of the Spirit is really about. It's not just saying, hey, just avoid. And this is religion. Religion is avoid, right? Don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that. Um, and then do these, don't do these things. But really, relationship with God and Christianity is saying, what are the good things that God is calling us to do on a daily basis? Um, negative goodness is not enough, right? 
there are also positive qualities to goodness that we're not just avoiding things, but we're doing the right things. Like Paul says in First Thessalonians, he says this, Live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are, who are idle, right, and disruptive. So warn those, correct those things. If somebody's doing something that's not healthy, stop them. Encourage this disheartened, right? Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. So Paul's given us a list of things that we could do when it comes to goodness, right, of, to, to, to fix things. So he's pointing out goodness. And notice some of these same fruit of the Spirit, like peace and joy. They're all, they're all there. They find themselves in, the same, in these same scriptures. So he's saying, do some things to help one another. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strives to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. So he's saying, make sure that we do good to the family of God, right, your brothers and sisters in Christ, but also for the rest of the world. Make sure we're doing good. Um, and notice what he says here, wrong for wrong. So what's interesting about this word wrong is it's the, the Greek word is, is K-A-K-A, right, which we would say kaka, right? That's a very appropriate word for us that would, uh, would fit into the Greek word of kaka, right? Just wrong. It's evil. It's, it's bad. Well, we know that in a fallen world, kaka happens, right? It's going to happen. Our job is not to pick it up and to throw it. Our job is not to return it. That's what Paul's saying. And so the, the image for us um, with some Spanish there is very similar, right? It's, uh, you don't do wrong. You don't, you don't return evil for evil, but you do what's good, right? And in fact, he says, he goes on and says, Rejoice always, uh, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. It's a very appropriate Thanksgiving, but this is a daily thing. Thanksgiving should be every day. We're recognizing God's will for our lives by saying thank you, right? So his will, whenever we know what to do on a, on a given day, be thankful. You'll begin to fulfill your will in your life when you are thankful, when you pray, and when you rejoice, when you're full of joy, right? And so um, he, he's encouraging us to, to live this way. Romans 12, 21 has the same idea. He says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Same kind of idea, the, the word, right? Don't give caca for caca, right? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Sometimes it's not dependent on us, but let's do the best we can. But do what is right. This is about goodness, right? Choose to do what is right. Um, and this whole section of, of Romans 12 is called love in action. Paul's given us this idea of what it looks like to love, what, what, what it looks like to be good in the, in the sense of loving others. Do not take revenge, he says, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, I will repay says the Lord. So when things happen in our world that are unjust, that are not right, we put it in God's hands. We don't take revenge, right? But we trust him for those things. Uh, we leave room for God, and we seek him on, on, on our behalf. He says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. And in doing this, so when you don't return evil for evil, but you return good instead of evil, you, when, when you do this, you will keep burning coals on his head or her head. You know, I used to think, like, I read that and be like, man, you're, like, causing pain to somebody when you do good. And that's, that's it's kind of true because it bothers them, right? But there's more to this. So uh, the first time we see burning coals in Scripture is when Abraham is making a sacrifice, a covenant with God. And it says that he put him to sleep and he saw this, this, this pot of coals going around, right? Uh, and, and it's the first time we see burning coals. It symbolized God's presence. So when we do good instead of evil to somebody, we actually help them experience God's presence in their life which is one of the greatest things we can give somebody, is help them to see God's goodness. And one of two things will happen. It'll lead to repentance, because they'll begin to re- recognize God's goodness and his, his kindness and his mercy. Or it'll make them a little crazy, because they don't understand how somebody could do good to somebody who has done evil to them. They don't understand it. But Paul says, this is love in action. When you don't return evil for evil, but you return good instead. He says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
in Old Testament, the idea was eye for eye. If somebody pokes your eye and you lose an eye, you get to take out their eye, right? If somebody punches you and knocks out your tooth, you get to knock out their tooth. But he says, Jesus says, that's not, that's not the way it works following Christ. We don't return those things. We don't overcome by evil. We overcome evil with good. Because the problem with the Old Testament is every time somebody did something wrong, you only returned wrong back, and it became a vicious cycle of who's going to return more evil the next time. And then you're always afraid of the, your, your enemy who's going to come do worse to you than they did before. And Paul's saying, and Jesus is saying, let's not become those kind of people. Rather, let us overcome evil by doing good. Let's overcome evil by being full of what God asked us to do. All right? So that's goodness. Goodness is it's, it's, it's us um, recognizing what God has called good and then doing that with our lives. Not just avoiding bad, but doing good to others. Right? Um, you know, we, we talked about last week the story of the Good Samaritan. Um, it's called the Good Samaritan for a reason, right? The Samaritan, who is the enemy, he's showing goodness to to a Jewish person. He's showing goodness to the person that was robbed, that, that left half dead, right? It's good. He's invited us to be good with our lives, that we would show goodness, we would choose goodness, that we would um, be the kind of people God has, has invited us to, to follow him, his example of being good to others, right? All right, let's talk about faithfulness now. So goodness is a good, important fruit, but so is faithfulness. So faithfulness is really practicing the good stewardship that Jesus expects of his disciples. So if you don't know what God is expecting of us as Jesus followers, it's good stewardship of our life. What I mean by that is in this life, if you're a Jesus follower, you understand that nothing belongs to you. Everything is God's. We're just managers. We're just stewards of it, right? So your car, your house, the finances that come your way, your clothes, everything is just given to us by God on, on loan. It's, he's, he's entrusted us with some form of resource or possession. And it's really, it's, the Bible calls it stewardship, that we, we manage it well. Right, that we do the best with what he's given us. And so uh, faithfulness really is about this in Scripture. And the same word uh, for faithfulness is, is uh, faith. It's the same word we've seen is, is the Greek word pistis, and it, just, it means faith. But it's faith being played out on a daily basis. It's us not just being confident, but showing others that we're confident by being consistent. So it really it's, it's about stewardship, um, doing what God expects of us. Right? And, and this, this idea of faithfulness in Scripture, it's always a relational term. So whenever we see faithfulness, it's always a term that's about our commitment towards others and our commitment to God. It shows up probably the easiest way when we think of marriage, right? When, when you make a covenant commitment to, to a spouse, we know if you're faithful or not, right? We, we understand that, that when it takes place or it doesn't take place. So it's a relational term that really expresses consistency and loyalty to something we've said or to somebody we've committed to, right? So our faithfulness to others, our faithfulness to God. But it starts with, with, with internal so faithfulness starts on the inside. Because here's the thing about a lot of things when it comes to faithfulness is only you really know if you're being faithful. Because it's, it's, it's easy to give the idea of faithfulness to others and you could be unfaithful on the side. So here's the thing. God always knows when we're faithful and we're unfaithful to him and to others. In fact, in Proverbs it says it's to our own uh, advantages, to our good when we commit to something that we actually, uh, when we give our word, we, we follow through even to our own hurt. Like that means like when we give our word to do something, even if it costs us more time or money or energy, we follow through because we give our word. Uh, notice what Proverbs says, Proverbs 3, Solomon's telling his sons, he, they said, he said, never let loyalty and kindness, another translation says love and faithfulness, right? So this idea of loyalty is, is the same idea as faithfulness, and kindness is the same idea of love. So he said, never let these two qualities, loyalty and kindness, leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. So he's saying you've got to put these on. Like we talked about last week, it's a choice you make on a daily basis. You put these on like you would a necklace, like you would a scarf. You tie them around your neck, kindness and loyalty, right? Faithfulness and kindness. Uh, write them on the, deep within your heart. 
Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. So in life, when I see people who are successful, typically uh, they, are, they are consistent, they're faithful in what they're doing, right? And they're kind while they're at it. And that, that leads to a good reputation. Uh, Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the first two chapters are about the birth of Jesus. Christmas is coming. It's about the story of the Christmas story, right? What's interesting is those first two chapters all of a sudden jump into his ministry. And there's only one little idea between the two. And it says this, that Jesus, he grew in stature and in wisdom, and he grew in favor with God and with man. So what is Luke telling us? Luke is pointing to something in the scripture. If, if, If Jesus grew in favor with God and man, he had some attributes in his life that helped him to grow with good reputation. What are they? Their faithfulness and their kindness. So when we see Jesus growing in favor with God and people, really he's, he's saying, what Scripture is saying is Jesus was faithful. He was faithful in his work. He was faithful to his parents. He was faithful to his commitments. And the reason he was able to start his ministry at around age 30 is because of the work he put in building up to that. So we tend to think, like, just people just show up all of a sudden and just do great things. No, there's a build-up to it, right? It, it's, a, it's a faithfulness that leads to, to, to better things. And what Proverbs is saying is, you want a good reputation? You want favor with God and people? Be consistent in your life. Be loyal. Be faithful. Be kind. And when you do these things over and over on a daily basis, you earn a good reputation. You, you find favor with God and with others. Why? Because he knows he can trust us with more, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Lamentations 3.22. Notice what it says. Uh, God's love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. You're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. So God's love, his mercy, is created new every morning, right? How great is his faithfulness? One of the reasons we can be faithful is because God has been faithful to us. He's demonstrated that for us. Uh, I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over. He's all that I got left. So, so the writer of Lamentations is talking about God's faithfulness. In the middle of uh, lamenting, right, this is a season of a negative season of, of, of hurt and, and sorrow and mourning, maybe a COVID season for them, right, election season for him also. He's saying, I'm going to focus on, what I, on the positive things of God, and it's his faithfulness. Uh, in Scripture, we see in Revelation that, that Jesus shows up onto the scene, and it says his name was faithful and true. God is faithful. He demonstrates his faithfulness to us, right? So, so the writer of Lamentation continues on. So he's saying God's mercy are good. God proves to be good to the man who, who passionately waits. So this is about patience, right? To the woman who diligently seeks, somebody who's consistent, keeps going. It's a good thing to, qu- to quietly hope, to quietly hope for help from God. It's a good thing when you're young to stick it out through the, through the hard times. I love this, this, this part of Lamentations because he's saying God is faithful. And notice how he ties goodness and faithful together, right? So God is faithful. He's going to show us what's good. He's going to show us how to be patient. He's going to show us how to hope and wait for God. And then at the bottom he says it's a good thing uh, when, when, you, when you're young and you stick to it through hard times. Then he talks to young people. He says, hey, if you're young, um, stick with things. Don't give up when they get hard. Don't, don't throw in the towel just because it's difficult. If you stick with it, you'll develop something in yourself. You'll develop something in your life that will help you become better. Um, in the Urban Dictionary, there's a word called stick-to-itiveness. Just one run-on word, right? Stick-to-itiveness. It's the idea that you're faithful, that you stick with it no matter how hard it gets. You're consistent. Once you've given your word, once you've committed to something, just stay the course. Don't give up. That's what faithfulness looks like as we stick with it in hard times and in good times and difficult times. Uh, James says this uh, um, in... in in his, in his book, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. We've read this a couple, couple weeks, but, but notice how all this ties together, right? Because you know that the testing of your faith, so 
If we're going to be faithful, we have to allow sometimes tests of our faith to prove if we're faithful or not. It produces perseverance. It produces endurance. It shows our faithfulness when we allow it to do it. But notice what he says, that when the testing of your faith, when, when difficult seasons come, don't give up. But let that perseverance, right, do its work in your life. Let it finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The reason a lot of people don't grow up and don't mature and, and are always lacking something is because they didn't pass the test the first time. They didn't allow God to do the work in their life. So this COVID season, we're what, 10 months in almost, something like that? Uh, nine, almost 10 months in. For those that are not mature and they're lacking during this season because they're not allowing the test of their faith to produce something healthy and good, they're stuck and they're not maturing, they're not growing up because they're stuck focused on things they can't control, not on the things they can't control, right? So we can say it like this. When culture shifts, when things change, our faith will always be tested. Every time there's a change in your life, your faith is going to be tested. Now, if you're a control freak, and we all are to a certain extent, right? All of us have a little bit of that in us. Um, it's always hard when something changes because we can't control it, right? Going into seasons that we can't control is difficult, but it's not a bad thing. And our faith is always tested. And the reason it's not a bad thing is because when your faith is tested, it reveals and shows what's there. And if you're a faithful person, you stay the course even when it's hard, even when it's difficult. So if you're a really extreme um, um, control freak, it's really hard when things change. And your faith is extremely tested. But that should just show you that you're focused on things that you can't control. And you're trying to control things that maybe are out of your control. And so God is, God is always helping us say, just be faithful. Even when they're out of your control and you can't change anything, right? Put it in my hands. Let me lead the way. Be consistent in what you're doing. We see this in the life of Daniel. Daniel in the Old Testament is one of my favorite uh, stories because he's in a foreign kingdom and he's brought into, into the council of the king. He's there to represent and to, to help the king to, to make decisions and choices. And Daniel knew that his faith was going to be put to the test. So he prepared for it. And one of the things that Daniel, we see in Daniel's life, he shows us faithfulness. Uh, we see in the life of the prophet Jeremiah, he was faithful. So for, for, um, for years and years, Jeremiah, they say he didn't have a single convert, right? There wasn't a single person that was, was, was cheering Jeremiah on. The only reason that he left Jeremiah in the Bible is because all his prophecies came true. He proved to be a true prophet. But if you look at the book of Jeremiah, it's a really sad book because nobody listened to him his whole life. But he shows us faithfulness. He shows us that God spoke. He was true to be the voice to help people understand even when they ignored it, they can learn from it. From the, after they went through this season, they can learn, look back and realize it. So when culture changes, your faith will be tested. But that is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It gives us an opportunity to, to grow and become strong. And here's what you have to understand. Is the enemy always, through tests, he always wants to wear us down in his attempts to, to derail our faith. So you go through something difficult, I know the enemy's goal for this, this test is to derail your faith, to get you to lose faith in God. You go through something, a sickness, you go through an illness, you go through some kind of marital problem, some kind of financial problem, the enemy, right, some kind of shift, the enemy's goal for that test is that he will cause you to stumble and cause you to fall. He'll cause you to give up on God. But God, every obstacle, every challenge, is always a way to grow our faith. And it's really a choice that we make to say, if I'm faithful, I'm going to trust God to the, to the challenge. I'm going to trust God to the test. I'm going to allow God to grow me up and mature me, like James says, right? That we don't give up. That when we face difficulties... We stick with it because it's going to produce character in our lives. And that character, when we stick with it and confident, it leads to show that we're faithful. Um, so let me, let me tell you a, a parable that Jesus told, right? There's this moment where Jesus is he's walking through the, through the different towns. He's teaching. 
And he's passing through this one village, and uh, there's this man who's a tax collector. His name is Zacchaeus. He's a short man, right? A wee little man, uh, it says. And uh, he couldn't see through the crowd. So he's trying to jump up and see Jesus, but the crowd's too big. He's short. So he runs ahead down the road, and he climbs up a tree. And while he's in the tree, the crowd passes through. Jesus stops by the tree, and he says, hey, Zacchaeus. He sees him in the tree. He says, hey, come down. I'm going to go have, have a meal with you. And so Zacchaeus comes down, and they have this conversation. And Zacchaeus, he repents before God and says, God, forgive me. Because so last week we talked about the Samaritan. They're like the lowest, one of the lowest, you know, when it comes to society, how they rank people. Well, tax collectors, there were sinners. There was tax collectors. There were Samaritans. So the tax collectors were down there with Samaritans. They were lower than sinners. People of Israel, they didn't like them because they worked for the, the, the enemy, for the Roman government, right? And what they would do is they would, on top of the taxes Rome gave, they would put their own tax so they could make more money for themselves. Zacchaeus is doing, um, he, he's making money off of the Jewish people for his own profit, right? And so people hate him for that reason. Well, he has this encounter with God, and, uh, and, and, and that day he says, All right, God, Jesus, if I've, I, I repent, if I've done anything wrong, I'll make it right. In fact, if I've cheated anybody, I'll return four times the amount that I cheated them, which is a pretty big thing. And now he's saying, I'm going to be, I'm going to replace evil with, with good. I'm going to put evil instead of, uh, put good instead of evil. And he makes his decision. Well, then the story pops up, this parable that Jesus tells right after that encounter. And in Scripture, it's never an accident when God has these stories together. He's trying to teach us a bigger story, right? He's trying to show us something, uh, a, larger, a larger thing that's going on. And it says this, that the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. He just talked to Zacchaeus. He had a conversation. They're amazed that a tax collector would actually want to do good, right? And so Jesus says, um, he says this, uh, because they were nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression of the kingdom of God that would, it would begin right away. So remember we said goodness is always correcting something that's not right. This is a picture of goodness. He's now going to try to help them see something different. Because in their mind's eye, in their, their, their culture, they thought the Messiah was going to show up as king, kick out Rome, set up his kingdom, and the Jewish people would rule from then on. Right? So they thought he was going to just show up all of a sudden. And he wants to let them know that it's not yet. That season is not coming. So the first coming they missed, but the second coming they were expecting. Right? So he's saying it's not going to happen yet. So he tells a story, and it's really a story about himself. He says this. He says, a nobleman was called away to a distant empire to be crowned king and then return. Um, so he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about himself. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and, and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. So ten people, he's given away ten pounds of silver. So what's interesting about the scripture is that every time you see the word ten, it's always a test of faithfulness. The Ten Commandments, a test of faithfulness. The tithe, which is 10%, a test of faithfulness, right? Um, ten days before the Pentecost, Jesus said, go and wait for the Helper to come. It says they waited for ten days. They, they, they met and prayed for ten days. In Revelations, one of the churches, he says there'll be ten days. Don't, don't give up. Keep going. So whenever he says there's, there's ten, he's, he's, it's a test of faithfulness. And so this story is really a, a test of somebody's faithfulness. So he says these ten servants, he gave them ten pounds of silver, um, saying, invest this for me while I am gone. But there was a group of people that hated him, right? And they sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. This is the Jewish people. This is, this is the Pharisees. There's like saying, Jesus is here, but we don't want him to be our king. And so he, he, he's kind of like poking in this, this part of, the, of, of culture that was happening in this story. After he was crowned king, it says, Jesus, he returned and he called the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. So this man, they, they know he's going to go away to become king, right? They give him some money. So now he's returning to say, all right, give me a report. Give me um, what, what took place while I was gone. What did you do with the money I gave you? So 
the first person, the first person, he reports to him and says, Master, I invested your money and I made ten times the original amount. So he did really good. He took that money, he invested it, made ten times the amount. Notice what God says. Jesus says, well done, good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. So you took money. That's good. You, you did good with the money I gave you. Now I'm going to give you something more valuable. I'm going to give you people. You're going to oversee people. So the first man, notice we called him good and faithful. So he demonstrated goodness by doing what was right, and he was faithful. So he showed faithfulness in what he did with the, money's, uh, the master's money. The next servant, he comes and gives a report. and says, Master, I, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. So I took what you gave me, and I turned it into five more. And he says, well done. Good job, right? Similar things. You're faithful. You're good. You will be governor over five cities. So you did good with my, the money a little bit. I'm going to give you more responsibility. But the third servant, he brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. So he buried it in a hole. He didn't want to lose any of it because he knew. And he says, I was afraid because you were a hard man to deal with, uh, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops that you didn't plant. So I understand that you're a hard man. Um, and so I went and hid it because I know you're going to demand something from me. I don't want to lose it, right? And so he says, you wicked servant, the king roared. Um, you, you're, with your own words, they condemn you. If you knew that I was a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you at least deposit it in a bank, right? So they have a very similar system to ours. You take it to a bank. They give you interest on whatever you invest. At least I could have gotten some interest on it. So why didn't you just do the, the, the minimum uh, of just investing it in, in a bank to get some interest on it. But rather, you just you did nothing with it. And notice what he said to him. You wicked, right? You faithless. So it's the opposite of being faithful. He was faithless. He was um, he, w- he was not, not good, but he was evil because he didn't do anything with his life. And then it says, then turning to the others, standing nearby, the king ordered and said, take the money from this one servant and give it to the one who has 10 pounds. And the crowd, they, they say, well, but, but master... He already has 10 pounds. Why would you give the one that has a lot even more? And the king said, yes. And to those who use well what they've been given, even more will be given. From, what, from those who, who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. So those who are faithful with even a little bit will get more. And those that are not faithful, that are, un, that are faithless or unfaithful, they will actually be taken, given, taken away from them. You know, in, in culture, a lot of times we, we, we tend to think that... Um, because we don't have enough, God's not a good God, right? But sometimes it's because it's a lack of management. God gives us what we need. And a lot of times we actually can, can earn more if we're faithful with the little he's given us. It's a stewardship and a management issue, a lot of times more than a resource, resource issue. It's, it's, it, those who are wise with their time, they get more time. Those who are wise with their finances get more finances. Those that are wise with their relationships, they earn more relationships, Right? And here's what we can say, that our faithfulness in life, it prepares us for higher service in heaven. So life is a test of our stewardship, of our faithfulness. And when we're faithful, it's only preparing us for something greater in heaven. So we need to be faithful with the work that God has assigned us. And here's the thing. God has assigned all of us some kind of work. There's a reason you're in the family you're in. There's a reason you work the place you work. There's a reason that you're in the neighborhood and the city you're in because there's an assignment and our faithfulness in this assignment actually shows God what we'll do in the future. And he invites us. He says, be faithful with the work that I've given you. Be faithful with the work I've given you. So Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, it's peace, 
It's patience, it's kindness, and today it's goodness. We choose to do good. It's being faithful, right? It's faithfulness. It's gentleness and it's self-control. He says those who belong to Christ, right, they've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. They've said no to things that are evil, and they said no to maybe taking the easy path and not being faithful. He says, but since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, envying each other. So don't focus on the wrong things. Focus on the right things. But the way you do this, the way you have goodness and faithfulness in your life, is you walk in step with God. You, every single day, you choose to tie it around your neck. You, you choose kindness and faithfulness as, a, as an outfit, right? Like we talked about last week. It's a choice that you make to get dressed with these things. It's a choice that we make to live it out. And we live by step with the Spirit. This is a daily process of walking in relationship with Him. He invites us into this, right? He leads us into this. So it's a choice we make to produce goodness and faithfulness. You know, one of the stories that, that's similar to the, to the story of the, of the money is called the story of the talents. At the end of this story with the man that was faithful, this is what Jesus says. He says, well, good, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness, his joy. So he says, come and you're going to have joy because you, did, you managed well. But notice what he says. It's good and it's faithful. Good and faithful. When you're faithful with things, you're showing your goodness. When you're faithful with things, God will give us more to, to, to do more with, right? Here's my challenge. My challenge is very simple. Would you put your yes out there? Would you put your yes out? What I mean by that is you have to make a decision on a daily basis saying, God, whatever you're asking, I say yes. Whatever you're inviting me into, I say yes. So in my, in my life, um, it's easy to say no to a lot of things because I've said yes to something else. It's easy for me to say yes to other women because I've said yes to one woman already, right? My wife. That's faithfulness. So the no is already, the other S's, they go away because it's an easy no because I've said yes to something else. So faithfulness is a choice and goodness is a choice that we make on a daily basis. We're faithful. When it comes to our finances, right, we, it's easy to say no to some things that would even, they might taste good or uh, bring good pleasure because we've said yes to something else that we were saving for, that we've, we've committed to, right? So it's, we say those, the no's come automatically when you already have a yes. So what would it look like on a weekly basis if we lived this way? You woke up and said, God, I just say yes. Whatever you're asking me today, my answer is yes. Can you imagine what your day would look like? He would say, would you love that person? Would you show some kindness? Would you show some love? Yes, I say yes. Whatever it is, yes. That's what it means to walk in step with the Spirit. That's what it means to have a relationship with God, is you're, you're, you put your yes and you're faithful to doing it, right? So um, during the COVID season, uh, this happened two times with my family. Uh, that we, we encountered a person who was inebriated, they were drunk, um, and they could not drive. And so uh, we saw them get in the vehicle, and uh, we had to do something about it, right? Um, in the moment, calling the police or calling the ambulance or calling somebody for help, it, it seems like the wrong thing to do because it's going to cause that person pain, right? Uh, it's a picture of goodness, right? So, so goodness is not just not doing things. It's sometimes fixing things that are wrong. And so um, sometimes... Even though it's going to cause a little more pain in the immediate, it's going to possibly do a lot of good in the in the future. So, um, in this moment, last night, we're, um, I'm encountering this person that's, that can't dr- drive, right? And and we have to call the police and they have to come. Well, in the moment, it's going to cause a lot of pain to this person because they chose something that uh, wasn't wasn't healthy. But in, imagine if I ignored that and said, you know what? Yeah, but I don't want to cause you pain. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't make it hard for you. And that person gets on the road and then kills a family. It would, it would have been goodness for that family, right? So sometimes goodness means doing hard things 
in saying, saying something to somebody that's going to change the trajectory of where they're going. Sometimes that's goodness. That's God's correcting love. Sometimes God calls, calls us to see things that are broken that aren't working and says, well, you do something about this. Human trafficking, you know, feeding kids that don't have. This is why as a church, we're committed to do things like Feed One. We're committed to um, our kingdom builders. We're always looking for opportunities to partner with organizations and missionaries and, and ministries to do more good. In fact, every year, at the end of the year, we always do an offering called Kingdom Builders. And we ask people, just pray. Would you just do us a favor, just pray, what God have you give towards this? And what, what we do is every year we commit to try to raise money for some organizations for, for missions to do good, right? And the reason we do this every year is because we, we're choosing to be faithful. We're choosing to say, let faithfulness be a part of who we are. Let that be the fruit of us, that we're consistent in what we do. And every year, so COVID season, is, COVID year has been challenging because... Um, it's just it's hard, right? There's 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 things and people there's un, uncertainty. What's great about our church is we've been faithful in our giving, right? So um, historically we're behind where we should be, um, but because we've been good stewards of what God's given us, we're ahead. Um, and because on our website when you give, there's this um, there's a, a place to give tithe and offerings. And there's a place to give to kingdom builders, right? And so we have a lot of our people in our church who give faithfully their tithe, but then they give above and beyond that to kingdom builders. And so up to this point, we've actually almost fulfilled all of our kingdom builders' um, goals because of our people's faithfulness, because of our church's faithfulness. So in, in three weeks, uh, December 13th, it'll be our kingdom builders' offering. That one offering, majority of the offering is going to go away, away from us. Part of the offering this year is going to go to help fill a budget that we're, we're behind a little bit on. But the mo- majority is going to go away to do good in this world. We're going to help an organization in Ghana, West Africa, that rescues kids from human trafficking. We're going to help... Um, feed people in, in, in India. Um, a lot of you support kids through Feed One, right? We're faithful in that every single month. We're doing good in Haiti. We're doing good around the world. And what, essentially what we're saying is, God, we just put our yes out there. As a church, we said yes at the beginning of the year. God, we say yes to whatever you want to do. And then we give opportunity for us to say, throughout the year, let's give towards that. And then towards the end of the year, let's do that. You know, with the CARES Act, it's a great year to be able to give above and beyond because of those things. So let me just encourage you and challenge you. In a couple of weeks, would you pray and just say yes to whatever God asks you to do? Let's be faithful. Let's show goodness to those around us. All right? And I love, I love the fact that our church is generous. We give away a big, big part of our budget every single year to help build the kingdom of God because we're saying, God, we want to be people who are full of goodness, people who are faithful in what you ask us to do. All right? So my challenge, put your yes out there. For some of you, maybe in this room or maybe watching online, you've never put your yes out there for God. It's kind of like, I'm going to wait to see what he does, and then I'm going to do it. That's typically not how God works, because God already has moved. Now it's our turn to move. And that move, when you say yes, is the first step of saying, I'm going to follow your lead. Whatever you're asking, I'm going to, I'm going to say yes. And throughout Scripture, the reason God uses Abraham and David is because at some point they said, God, I'm going to say yes to whatever you ask. God, I'm going to follow through and be faithful with what you asked me to do. So do me a favor. Would you close your eyes and bow your head today as you're in the room? If you're watching online, you want to make this decision. I want to give an opportunity for those that uh, maybe you're you're here and you say, you know what, I've been holding back my yes from God. In fact, some of you might even know the yes He's asking you to do, but you're holding back. And today you're going to make that decision to say, God, I just say yes. I go all in and I say yes to whatever it is you're asking me. I say yes to what you're inviting me into. So maybe today you're in this room and that's you. You'd say, you know, what? I want to put my yes out there. I want to say yes to God. Maybe you're watching online and. You haven't put your yes out there. You're doing your own thing. And today is the day that you say, God, I want to follow your lead. God, I want to trust you. I want to follow what you're asking me to do. 
So that's you in this room. Would you do me a favor? Lift your hand. Let me know you're here. You say, God, I need your help. I want to say yes to you. If that's you watching online, you're ready to make that commitment to say, God, I want to follow your lead. Anybody else? Awesome. Would you guys pray with me? Uh, those praying online, those that are, that are praying in this room, uh, let's pray together and ask, ask God just to, to lead us in this, in this time. All right? Say this. Say, Father God, today I put my yes out there. I say yes to whatever you're asking me. Now, would you forgive me of my mistakes, of my sins that have kept me away from you. Forgive me for saying yes to the wrong things. Help me to say yes to the right things. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to give us an example of how to live. Thank you for letting him die on that cross in my place so I could have life. Today I put my trust in you. Would you come into my life me to follow your lead. Produce the things you want to produce in me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Come on, let's celebrate those in the room that pray and those that prayed online so good.